Ohayo gozaimasu. <laughs> I'll have to start practicing speaking in Japanese again because on Wednesday we leave San Francisco airport and fly to Tokyo. And so from then on I'm going to have to Nihongo dake shaberimasu. Anyone here know Japanese at all? A little bit, maybe. Anyone here been to Japan? How many have been to Japan before? Well, that's a lot of people. And just in the past uh, few days we've been here, I've heard of a number who have visited Japan. And if you do, the, do so in the future, please feel free to contact us and stop by and to see us. Uh, we're not right next to the airport, but uh, we can arrange uh, uh, a way for you to get to where we live. We're in the Tokyo area, about 25 miles northwest of Tokyo. And about every year, we've had people stop by to visit, to help in the ministry in various ways, short-term missions. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, there's always plenty of opportunities uh, to do so. In fact, I talked with a pastor yesterday who wants to come to Japan this fall and to help uh, maybe he and his wife and then uh, maybe be involved in one of the camps that we have in October. Uh, he has a, he's praying that he will be able to come because... Back in April, he had a very serious accident. Uh, it wasn't a car accident, but a tractor accident where he was mowing some grass or something, and uh, he got off his tractor. Unfortunately, it wasn't completely uh, stopped, and it ran over him. And he was that near death. Um, he told me that he thought he was going to die. And he was in the hospital for 45, 46 days and just got out recently. Um, he hasn't really been cleared to carry on his regular ministry, and another uh, short-term pastor and his wife are helping there this summer to kind of fill in while he's uh, recovering, but his, his name is Mike, so pray for Pastor Mike. Uh, he's been a friend of mine since uh, college days. I knew him then, and his church helps in our support, been a great blessing to us. Uh, he pastors in Chicago, uh, Illinois area, so uh, pray for Pastor Mike, and that he will recover sufficiently. He said he's doing a lot better, but he's still taking pain medication. He had punctured lung and bruised liver and many broken bones. And just, he said last Sunday was the first time he spoke some in his church. And he said they had to put in extra chairs and everyone uh, said it was a great blessing uh, because he was talking about some of the feelings and I'm sure some of the experiences that he went through and thoughts uh, at, during that time. So, um, we're looking forward, if it's possible, he said, I said, make sure you're cleared by the doctor. Don't come out if you can't uh, do it. We understand. But he wants to come. I'm, I'm just excited about his heart. You know, no matter what, he's not going to let anything stop him if, if possible. He still wants to come and to help uh, minister in Japan a little bit, maybe for a couple of weeks or so. So we appreciate that kind of attitude and desire to serve the Lord in whatever way possible. And... Uh, as Brother Henry said, we have been uh, in the States this past year. Uh, we left last year for, from Japan for a year of furlough. We've been overseas for about 28 years now, except for some times back for furlough. And we've been supported by the San Francisco Bible Church for 25 years. That's been a long time. And we've seen uh, many of you, uh, again, uh, several of you have been friends for a long time and we appreciate that so much, and many new faces as well, and we praise God for that, because God is blessing and, and using this ministry, I'm sure, in the lives of many people, and that's important, especially a lighthouse uh, for God in the community where many people don't care about God, 
And in a way, that's kind of like it is in Japan, because most people would consider themselves, uh, well, they say, well, I'm Buddhist, but they don't really know what they believe that much. Some people say they're atheists, or they don't believe in God, or whatever, but very few people understand the truth of God's word. And when we talk to people and start reading the Bible with them, many times it's the first time uh, they've ever done that. I think basically all the people we've seen come to Christ, as far as I know, have had virtually no knowledge of the scriptures at all. And they just start from the very beginning. And so where do you start? Well, you might start with John 3.16 and, and about salvation, but you know they don't even know who God is. Uh, they don't know what sin is. Uh, they don't understand many of these basic concepts that some of us are familiar with. So we have to start basically in Genesis. And we say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. So the God who we serve and we want to uh, proclaim is the God of creation. He's the living and true God. Uh, they have a lot of gods, the God of the mountain and the God of the river and the God of the sun and uh, God of the tree. And one time near camp, we, uh, we have a small camp uh, area and we have camp ministry during the summer, but there's a waterfall. And we wanted to go for a hike to the waterfall, so we went down there one time and there are a bunch of people worshiping the waterfall, having chants and all that. They're worshiping what they thought was the god of the waterfall. And that's what uh, a lot of people in Japan think is religious and so on. And then in the summertime, like in July, many of times, they have their special festivals. And you look at it and it seems like, well, this is fun and this is everyone's having a good time and they're dancing and they carry around their little portable shrines and, wow, they're really enjoying themselves. But... Then you go by at nighttime and you look, and after everything's settled down, I remember driving by this, this place where they kind of worship their gods, and it looked very demonic because there was like awful looking um, faces and kind of red glow, and you just could feel Satan there. So even though it might seem really nice on the outside, inside, it's of Satan, it's not of God. And you might say, well, well, you're speaking against the culture of Japan. You know, I mean, you have to understand this is their culture. It's something they've grown up with for, for centuries. They, they want to understand it and promote it. Well, to some extent, that is true. But when culture comes in conflict with the Bible, then what do we choose? You know, we're not trying to change Japanese culture. We enjoy Japanese culture in many ways. And we like Japanese food. And, you know, as probably a lot of you do, when you go in their homes, you take off your shoes and and you sit on tatami mats sometimes, or uh, you have various cultural things. You maybe go to a tea ceremony and, and all that kind of thing, and that's good. But when it comes in conflict with the Bible, then who do we choose? We have to choose God's word rather than just culture. So that's something that we face in Japan. Now, our primary ministry there is church planting. That means we're trying to start a church ministry and, and even other churches as the Lord makes it possible. Now, it's not really easy to start a church, so it's not like, well, we can start a church in five years, move on to another church, and another five years. Um, some places I've heard that uh, missionaries are able to do that in some countries and ministries and so on. But in Japan, if you uh, work in one area and get one church started, uh, you're doing well. And it's not always easy even to get one ministry started. But as the Lord makes it possible in the future, we uh, hope that we can be able to have a Japanese pastor and and maybe uh, start a church in another area, and other missionaries come to Japan to work with us. There is another family right now who is there. They've been there the past three years, and they're working with us in the ministry, and, and we're trying to set strategy to uh, 
advance in other areas, but the primary emphasis right now is to get the ministry that has been started to be strong and to self-sustain, be self-sustaining and be able to uh, reach out into other areas. So we're thankful for what God has done and for those who've been saved through trusting Christ, those who've been baptized. And, and it can be discouraging because sometimes people may come and they're interested, but they don't make that decision to really follow Christ. And there's one man who's come up the past couple of years. He's read the Bible through twice. How many of you read the Bible through twice? Hopefully a lot of you have read, but well, not very many. Maybe some people haven't even read it through once. But he's read the Bible through at least twice. And he would come to our Bible studies, and he comes to church, and he likes to help and so on. And I believe God is changing his heart in many ways, but he, I talked to him just before we left Japan, and he said, you know, he just didn't know if he really wanted to go 100% to follow Christ and, be, and receive him as his Savior. But we pray that very soon that would be possible. And there's other people like that as well. And because people are afraid to change. And they don't have opposition from the government because it's open and free. Uh, Japanese government allows you to carry on missionary work without any problem. We work there as missionaries. And we can have a church work. We can preach the Bible. We can give out literature and, and uh, announcements for church activities and so on. And there's no problem with that. But where the opposition comes is mainly from the homes and from families and from people that are uh, very traditional and don't want to make changes at all. So that's where it becomes more difficult. And sometimes uh, people will be very opposed. And uh, like there's this one family that lives close by the church and their daughter has come to English class. And they've always come. And, but for some reason... And we've talked to them some, but for some reason they seem very opposed to the gospel. And one time the daughter came by on a Sunday morning and she said, my mother won't let me come into the church. Now they'll come to English classes and so on, come into they, to that kind of thing, but they didn't want them to go into a church service. And I think the mother, mother even told uh, my wife Becky, well, so I'm Buddhist, but is that okay? Well, yeah, it's okay, certainly. We're not, we're not stopping anyone from coming no matter what they believe. I mean, we want everyone to hear God's truth. But uh, she didn't, they didn't want to hear, to have their children go to church. And there's sometimes children who have come to church, but their families have a lot of, uh, you know, maybe they just re reluctantly let them come, or uh, maybe they'll let them come to camp or something like that. And so that's why these are good ways to reach out to people through other kinds of ministries, like camping or English class and so on. And we'll talk about that more this afternoon. So if you're able to come uh, this afternoon, I'll be showing more pictures of our work in Japan and we're having some discussion time about how to reach out in the community where especially it's difficult and people aren't really interested. And it's not like we're experts by any means. We're always thinking. I talk to Becky and we say, what can we do to reach out more and so on? Well, uh, there's no magic formula, but there are things that can be done to uh, try to uh, interest people in God's word and God's truth. So, uh, as I was saying, we've been in the States this past year. Now we're going back to Japan, and we're looking forward to getting back, and the people there, uh, I don't know if they're looking forward to it or not, but hopefully they are. <laughs> and uh, next Sunday I'll be preaching in Japanese, and we'll be having a, we've talked about it already, a sharing time of, of what has gone on during our furlough time, and they're going to be sharing 
uh, what God's been doing in their lives in, in during that time. So I'm looking forward to that, especially. And then the first major event that we are have coming up is in July um, the 18th. It's a Japanese holiday. Uh, it's called uh, Umi no Hi. Umi no Hi means Sea Day. And a few years ago, I guess they figured they needed a holiday in July for some reason. So they made a Sea Day, and they made it a holiday. So Japanese like holidays. I think Chinese do too, from what I understand. So I guess Asian people, that's common. You know, got to find a, a good excuse to make a holiday. So almost every month, there's at least one or two holidays somewhere along the line. So when you add it all up, it comes out quite a few days. So that's nice because people, if they're off work and don't have other responsibilities, they're free to come to uh, camp and to uh, church activities and so on. So we often try to choose these holidays for special activities. And we have a, an English camp. Now, in Japan, people are interested in learning English. Uh, for some reason, the Japanese have not really been very good at learning English. And other countries, even China and Korea and so on, they've done a better job of teaching the average person English. So the Japanese are really trying to emphasize that now in their schools and so on to try to improve their English uh, ability. And so that's an opportunity that we have to help them to uh, learn English and also to give out God's word. So at the camp, people come and we have classes in English and we teach them different things, how to speak, how to pronounce properly. And then we have a, a Bible lesson as well to uh, teach God's truth and use the emphasis. For example, this time we're going to be talking about writing letters and uh, having, making a birthday card. So the message will be centered around the letter that God has given us, God's word, and that we need to have a spiritual birthday that we need to be born again. And that's true for all of us, not just in Japan. A good question for us to ask. Have you had a spiritual birthday? Do you know that Christ is your personal Savior? Have you trusted in him to forgive your sins and had that spiritual birthday? And that's what we want to promote and teach in Japan as well. Uh, just a quick word about our family, and then I'm going to preach from uh, Philippians chapter 4. But we have four boys, and in the past, all of them have been here. Right now, they're all scattered different places, so just my wife and I are, are by ourselves as we go back to Japan. But I think when we first came, um, the first time we were here, the church started supporting us about 25 years ago, but the first time we came as a family was about 20 years ago. And we were all together at that time, I remember, I remember that, and we uh, enjoyed our time here in the fellowship with the people at that time. Well, our oldest, uh, Brian, uh, he's been married and has three children now. So uh, they live in Iowa. And he uh, works in piano uh, work. He's a piano technician. He plays, and his wife is a musician also, but his primary emphasis is tuning and rebuilding and repairing and that kind of thing with piano work. Then our second son, Andrew, he's in Indiana. He worked for four years in China as a uh, short-term missionary and teaching English and helping have a, a gospel witness. So he's learned uh, Chinese, uh, more Mandarin at that, uh, where he was working. And now he's working with international students at a uh, university in Indiana. So he's employed by the university uh, to work primarily with international students coming in, working on their visas and helping them uh, orientation, that kind of thing, as they uh, come in. August is a very busy time for them. A lot of new students coming in. 
but he has a, a, a slightly different perspective coming up in September because he's getting married. So uh, life is going to change for him. He'll continue his job, but uh, he's anticipating uh, getting married uh, in September. So we're thankful for God's working in, in his life and that of his fiance. Then uh, in uh, September, we also plan a quick trip back to the States uh, because we can't miss the wedding, of course. So uh, we won't be able to come by San Francisco, but he's getting married in Georgia. So we'll be going down there um, for that occasion. Then our third son, Daniel, he graduated uh, university last year and now is a teacher. He's uh, physical education, history. He's a basketball coach, plays basketball. You still play basketball? I remember several years ago one time we played basketball uh, with you all on a what, Saturday night or something like that. And uh, Daniel was here at that time. He was a little bit younger, but we had a little basketball time, and we enjoyed that. But he played in college and so on, and he's learned coaching. So he coaches the high school basketball team and leads physical education uh, ministry uh, at the school and teaches uh, history classes. So he was married in April. So that's a new addition to our family as well. Then uh, our youngest son, Philip, uh, just finished high school. So he graduated last month and is working at a camp this summer and will be continuing on to university in the fall. He likes computers, IT, technology, and so on. And this past year, he's built a number of computers and done a lot of computer work. Uh, sometimes we say he needs to study a little bit more. You know, he like to do computers rather than study. A little bit more exciting, you know how that is. But uh, that's his interest, and uh, he's enjoying camp. But uh, computers are high-tech, but this week at past week at camp, he's been doing something more low-tech, but maybe more practical, and that's making milkshakes and smoothies. <laughs> so uh, he enjoys doing that and has everything, all the right ingredients worked out, and he would sell those at the camp. Uh, he said yesterday, that was the last day of camp, and a lot of parents came, you know, children, siblings, pick up their uh, the children at camp, and so he sold a whole bunch more because of that. So that's what he was doing at camp, plus a few other things. But he'll be there uh, for the summer and then visiting our, his brother, Brian, for a few weeks before college starts. And we're heading the other direction, going to Japan. So appreciate your prayers for us. Thank you so much for all you've done for us and your prayers, financial support, and uh, communications uh, means a lot to us. It's a great encouragement to us. And you say, well, I, I don't speak Japanese and I can't go to Japan but uh, your presence, your communication, your uh, prayers mean a lot and make it possible for us to be in Japan. It's really true. And without, without that, we wouldn't be able to be there. So that means so much to us. Well, just uh, change gears a little bit, and let's look at God's Word. Philippians chapter 4. It's so important to emphasize the Word of God in our lives, no matter what it is. Uh, one time I remember listening to a, a message, and it was by a good preacher, and it was a good message, but there was one problem. He didn't open the Bible one time in the whole message. And I thought, it was a great message, he said a lot of good things, but where is God's word? <laughs> you know, God's word has to be central in our lives. And we want you to open the word of God, follow along as I read. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading the English Standard Version. Maybe some of you have a little different versions, but that's one that I'm using right now. <clears throat> so I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 right now. 
Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Synecti to agree in the Lord. Obviously, there was some conflict there. They wanted him to, them to agree and not to be fighting one another. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together, with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Starting verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's just have a word of prayer before we continue looking at his word right now. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to open the word of God, which is truly 100% God's word. Every part of it is true, no matter what people may try to say about it or how they may try to demean it. We know that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. And as we read it and we find how we should live and what's most important in our lives, and we find the path to eternal life also in your word. And help us right now as we look at these verses in Philippians to be challenged by them, to increase our knowledge of your word, and to make sure that its words are in our hearts, not just in our heads. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes we think, what is it that really is going to affect people, especially as we work in Japan? What is it that's really going to help them to believe God's truth? What's going to make a difference in their life? Well, we might say, well, our way is right and your way is wrong. Well, that's not very effective, is it? I mean, right off the bat, to say you're wrong and I'm right, I mean, we might believe that, but that's not a good strategy to follow when you try to witness to someone. And we might say, well, follow the Bible and you'll have uh, the knowledge of eternal life. You'll know how, what's going to happen, that you'll be with God in heaven. Well, that, that's very good and that's important and I believe that's true. But for someone, maybe they've lived their lives and they're going along and they're not ready to die and meet God right now. And so they don't really think about that too much either sometimes. Even though it's important, it's probably not the first thing they think about. But what are people really facing on a day-to-day -day basis? Do they really have satisfaction, contentment, and happiness? Maybe you can ask yourself that question. What are you facing on a day-to-day -day basis? What's really down inside your heart? I don't know all of you, so I can't tell what is in your heart, in your mind, and in your life, and your experiences, but I know from personal experience and from people that we talk to that we all face struggles of various kinds. We have struggles ourselves. It doesn't matter who you are. Just because you're a missionary or you're a pastor or you're trying to serve God doesn't mean that you aren't going to face difficult struggles. I don't know this missionary who was here last week, but I heard that the wife has cancer. I'm sure that's a very difficult struggle for that family as well. And other people that, that we know also that face struggles of one kind or another in their family or in their work or in their community or whatever. And of course, Japanese are no exception. 
And the Japanese are people that have a, a good way of, you might say, hiding all their problems. And everything is just on the surface. And it seems very nice. They're polite and they're, they're kind and they're, they seem friendly and they give you gifts and, and they treat you in a nice way. But what's really down inside and deep in their hearts? That can be another thing. I think most of the people that we deal with have some serious struggles in their lives. They have maybe bitterness, or they have depression, and they have uh, maybe hatred in their hearts. And we've, we know families where uh, they're broken. There's been sometimes divorce. And maybe there's not divorce, but there's separation, and, and children leave, and, they, and there's fracturing of families and so on, and, and struggles and, and all kinds of problems in their lives. And even people, when they go to work, sometimes they say that my boss treats me like dirt, and I can't stand it, and all these kinds of things are going on. But how do we handle those things? You know, I believe that the solution doesn't mean that our problem's going to go away, but the way that we can handle it is through God's Word, and finding the answers to those problems and difficulties in our lives. And this passage deals with that. For the first thing it says, do not be anxious about anything. Or, in other words, do not worry about the problems and the circumstances and the difficulties you have in your life. Now, you might say, well, that sounds rather unrealistic because, you know, obviously when I have trouble, I'm going to worry about it. I'm going to struggle with it. So that's just a natural thing. But God's word says, there's a solution we'll come to in just a bit. But right from the very beginning, he says, my plan and my purpose for you is that you not worry and be anxious about things that you face in your life. You can be able to have help so that you don't have to worry and fret over those things. And what is the help that we have? Well, first of all, it says here, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. All right, first of all, those of us who know God as our Savior have the solution of prayer. That when we have difficulties in our lives, what do we do? Oh, Oh my God, I can't help it. It's so terrible. It's whole, you know. No, we say, God, I need you. I need to come to you in prayer. I need to have your help. I need to have your strength. I need to have, I can come to you in prayer. That should be our first response. But if we don't know God, how can we respond that way? We don't even understand what that is. The people in Japan have some understanding of prayer in the sense that they all say they pray. And maybe even sometimes I, I received a letter from a bank one time, just kind of a formal letter, just I don't remember exactly what it was about. But at the end they said, Anata no tami ni norimasu, which means I'm praying for you. Well, are they really praying for me? Or is that just, a, just, is that just uh, something they say to make people feel good? Probably that's all it is. So they don't really understand what prayer really is. Having that communication with a true and living God who cares about us and understands us and knows about us. Now here we have three aspects of prayer that are mentioned. Sometimes in the Bible we have the word prayer mentioned. That's just kind of a general word that we pray. But you know, if you really study prayer, there's a lot involved in true prayer. One time when I was, I think after we were married, I, I read a book on prayer. And it talked about praying an hour a day. So for a while, I should say maybe a couple years, I actually prayed for an hour a day. I tried to do that. 
Honestly, I don't know that I do that today. <laughs> I probably should. But, you know, as you get busy and you have children and everything, maybe you don't spend as much time in prayer as you should. I need to spend more time in prayer. I definitely admit that. But in that uh, book about prayer, praying an hour a day, each, I think every 10 minutes it had a different aspect of prayer. Like one time you could praise and worship the Lord. In fact, that's what this is talking about when it says by prayer. Sometimes prayer in the Bible is referring to worship and praise and adoration of God. And so that's a very necessary element of prayer. Sometimes there is confession, confession of sins. Sometimes there is meditation, just thinking a little bit about who God is and how wonderful and great he is. There's times of thanksgiving and times of requests, and that's what this is talking about. This doesn't mention every aspect of prayer, but it talks about in everything by prayer, all right? Giving praise and thanks and adoration to God. Now, when we're suffering some kind of difficulty, that can be a hard thing to do. We're mainly calling out, God, oh God, you know this problem that I'm facing, and how can I have a solution to it, and so on. But we kind of forget that we need to praise God and worship God and think about how great and wonderful and mighty and how gracious he really is. And that, if you study biblical prayers, you find that often takes place. Just take some time and read some of the prayers in the Bible. And you'll find how these men of God spent time worshiping and praising and adoring God for who he is. But yes, we can also have supplication. That's kind of like asking requests from God. We can do that. And that's a wonderful thing because it says here we can pray about anything. There is nothing that we can't pray about. That's what it says. In everything. Now, you can't say, well, are there a few things I can worry about and I don't need to pray about? No. We need to give everything to God in prayer and take everything to God in prayer. Now, sometimes we might say, well, uh, I can give thanks for all God's blessings to us. And yes, God does bless us in many ways. But here it says, to give thanks. That's another aspect of prayer. What about thanking God for things that are difficult to face, even if you don't like it? And yes, ministry in Japan can be very difficult, and we can worry about things, and we can think about, well, are people really going to uh, respond to the gospel? Are people going to come to church? I remember one time we were in the States for a short furlough, and someone was carrying on, one of the Japanese men was helping a little bit, and he he told me afterwards, I was worried every Sunday, I'd look out the window, are people going to come to church, you know? And, of course, we feel the same way, especially when you're trying to get started and you don't have a lot of people coming and you're wondering, are they going to come? And then you feel, great, I see them coming up to church, you know, I see them walking down the street, and I'm excited about that. But what if they don't come? You feel depressed and discouraged, and no, you have to give thanks and everything. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want them to come, and so you still should give thanks. Of course God wants them to come. Of course God wants people to be saved. But we have to learn what it means to have a thankful heart no matter what the circumstances are. That's not always easy, but with God's help and strength, we can be willing to give thanks. Now, as we pray, and I'm not talking a long time about prayer because obviously we don't have a lot of time today, but what is the result of prayer? It's in the next verse. We can pray, give our requests, let them be known to God. Remember, this is to the true and living God. He's a God who cares about us, who knows about us, 
He's not just some little idol that people have made that uh, does not hear and cannot speak and cannot do anything. But he's a God who knows everything and cares about every aspect of our lives. But the result of that is verse, verse 7. The peace of God. And that is what really makes a difference. Whenever we know God and have trusted in him and we know that he's forgiven our sins and we're walking with him each day, what does he give us? He gives us peace. And there's nothing else that equals that. And over and over again, when we've talked to people in Japan and people who've been saved and come to our church ministry, we know that, and they say that they have peace in their heart that they've never had experienced before. That doesn't mean that they're never going to have problems, but very often they say, if it wasn't for coming to church and coming and hearing God and uh, God's word and, and trusting him, uh, I don't know how I would make it. And many of them face struggles, very difficult struggles. One lady in, in the church, she hasn't been able to come much recently, but she's caring for her mother who probably is dying of cancer and may not live very long. We don't know if she'll be alive when we go back. Since we've been in Japan, three people that we had contact with have passed away. So death is very real. <laughs> there was an older man who uh, had come to church some, and then he was more of a care home, and then he passed away after we left. There was a lady, Becky, uh, taught, we'll talk about her a little bit uh, this afternoon. We show some pictures, who uh, was 47 years old and died a year ago of uh, stomach cancer, and other people. So death is very real no matter where you are. But when we know God and, know, and trust in him, we can have that peace that passes all understanding. And that's wonderful, isn't it? Now, that peace of God is not like the world gives. Because everyone wants to have peace. You don't have to raise your hand, but just think in your head. Do you want to have peace? <laughs> of course you do. But what kind of peace do we have? What is true peace? Well, these days, a lot of people want uh, Peace, they don't want to have war, and they want to have uh, everything going nice and, and everything peaceful. Well, that's good. I want the same. But we're not going to have true peace unless we have peace in our hearts. And that's one thing that people miss. In Japan, it's a peaceful country. We're thankful there's not war, and there's low crime rate, and we don't have to worry about uh, something like that happening in Japan. They, they're worried sometimes about North Korea and, and that kind of thing, but... In general, it's a peaceful country. But unfortunately, the people do not have peace in their hearts. They don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And that's why we are there to help them to understand, to know that when we have our sins forgiven, when we know Christ as our Savior, that we can have that peace in our hearts no matter what the circumstances may be. Now, there's a wonderful aspect about this peace. Because not only does it pass all understanding, it's greater than more wonderful than we could ever imagine, but it also guards our hearts and minds, it says. It gives a guard, a guard against all the attacks of Satan, or maybe the doubts that may come our way, or the, the, the worry and the fears that come our way. It guards us against that. It's very important to have a guard in our lives. In Japan, there is a lot of preparation for the possibility of disaster. Japan is a country that's been known for disasters through the years. Sometimes there's been severe typhoons, like a hurricane, but they call it typhoon in, in the Pacific Ocean. 
at least in that part of the Pacific. In this part, I think they still call it hurricanes or something, but over in the Far East, they call them typhoons. And they're very severe, and Japan faces them every year. Our area is more sheltered, so we haven't had too much, but sometimes it can rain. In fact, last summer, I remember in areas near us, I heard in the news that there was some very, very severe flooding because of, of typhoons. So that can happen, and they prepare for that. And in the small, confined, spa confined spaces uh, of the housing in Japan, fire is a very uh, great fear. And I haven't heard of any serious fires in recent years, but in the past, uh, there are well-known fires. There was a great Tokyo fire that killed tens of thousands of people. There was a fire in other towns. Almost every town has had, in some historical past, maybe a great fire that has caused lots of damage. So they're afraid of that, and they try to prepare for that and guard against it. And then, of course, as you all know, the earthquakes are very common in, in Japan. And almost every year, there's an earthquake that might kill some people. Just this spring, there was an earthquake in southern Japan, not in our area, but I think there were, I don't remember exactly, 30 or 40 people that were killed, in the, according to the news and so on. And But they prepare for earthquakes. So they have to guard against that as well. And one thing that they do is build their houses strong, and they uh, try to make sure that they won't fall down. Five years ago was the, one of the biggest earthquakes in the history of recorded world history, actually, a nine on the Richter scale. And it was so severe that it produced some of the most massive tidal waves and tsunami that have ever been recorded. Some of them went up to areas that were 100 meters above sea level. So you can see how severe it was. The earthquake itself, they say, killed maybe about 2,000 people because houses are strong and buildings are strong. And even though it was a very severe earthquake that affected the whole northern part of Japan and our area as well, and the ground shook for five minutes. Have any of you experienced an earthquake of any kind whatsoever? Maybe here in San Francisco once in a while there have been some. But five minutes, the ground shaking, I've never experienced that in my life. You know, sometimes maybe... 10 seconds or 15 seconds, you think that's a long earthquake. But it just kept on going on and on and on, never stopped. But only 2,000 people, and I shouldn't say only, a lot of people. But after the tidal waves and the tsunami came in, they said there were 16,000 people who were killed because of that. That's what really caused the damage. And so people needed to be prepared. Unfortunately, there's a story of, of a school that was not prepared. And... This I read in the newspaper, and even recently, <clears throat> there was some stories about this school because they put up some memorial for some who had passed away in the tsunami. But after the earthquake hit, the teachers in the school just kind of sat around and said, what should we do? They had tsunami warnings, and Japan is very high-tech, and they have all these loudspeakers, and they have everything going, say, tsunami warnings, you know, escape to high ground, and, and all that is coming for sure, and and all that, but they were saying, well, we have all these children in the school, we can't just run away real fast, and what shall we do? After about half an hour, they said, well, uh, they decided to go up to a high bridge that was nearby. There was a river there and a high bridge. It seemed like a high place to go, and so they all started lining up and going, walking toward this bridge, and I read in the paper that a, a man saw these children, he kind of thought, why are they going that way? It seems like they be, should be going up to the mountains, but that is safer, I remember they, he, they interviewed him afterwards and so on. Well, right about that time, the tsunami waves came in and washed many of those children away. 
And they sent some at the back, turned around and ran up to the mountains and were safe, but about 80 children were killed because of that. Now, why was that? They were not prepared. They didn't know what to do. They hadn't established a, a system for getting to safety in that kind of situation. On the other hand, there was another school that had prepared and Whenever the earthquake hit, they all ran up to the mountains and were safe. And not anyone in that school was killed when the tsunami came in and devastated that school. But it reminds us of how we need to be prepared to meet God. What kind of preparation have you done? A lot of times people are so busy with their work and the school and everything that we don't sit down and think about what we need to prepare to meet God. That seems somewhat distant from us. You know, tomorrow I've got to get up, I've got to go to work. And i got to take care of my family and I have children and all that. And we don't think about our relationship with God, which is the most important relationship that we need to have. We need to slow down sometimes and think, am I prepared to meet God? Am I prepared to serve God and to live for him and to allow him to use me in the way he wants me to be used? When we have the peace of God in our hearts, it helps guard us against those you might say, first of all, the doubts that might come our way. You know that we can doubt? Is God really true? Is his word uh, accurate? And everywhere we go, we find people who are criticizing God's word. I read an article one time that someone was uh, criticizing the Bible, and they said, how can people believe something that's so ancient? I mean, two, 3,000 years ago it was written. How can that have any relevance for today? Well, what's the answer for that? Why does the Bible, yes, of course it's written a long time ago. Why is it relevant for today? I won't answer that right now. You can look, look that up yourself and try to find an answer. But you can doubt, and there are good answers for that, but you can look up some of those things yourself. But we can doubt. You know, why is God allowing this to happen in my life? And if we continue to doubt, what can happen? We can become discouraged. And yes, missionaries can become discouraged. I don't know any percentage, but I do know that a lot of missionaries have left Japan after just being there a few years because they become discouraged. And they think that it's uh, too hard or it's not worth it. I was in language school with uh, some other uh, missionaries. And there's one missionary. They weren't in our mission, just some people I met at the language school. They went through language school two years. And after the two years, they left and went back. They just thought it was too difficult. That was sad, because they've been studying the language, and I'm sure every intention was that they would uh, continue and have a ministry in Japan, but then they left. They got discouraged. And not only can we become discouraged, but we can even become depressed and just feel like it's worthless. You know, the depression is very strong in Japan. And the people in Japan, even though you don't recognize it on the surface, face depression more than any group of people I've ever been with in my life. And we all have some people in discouragement and depression. That can happen. That's not an unusual thing, but it just seems rampant in Japan. And one reason is because there's so much pressure to conform and to do things and to uh, succeed that if they don't, they just feel like giving up. One aspect of that depression is what they've called hikikomori, I don't know if you ever heard that term. It's sometimes been in the news. But that basically means that someone just uh, hides themselves in their house. And they say that well over one million young people have that syndrome. 
And instead of interacting in society, they just go into a room in their house. They stay there a day and night, all day. And they maybe go out just very occasionally, and they don't work, and they just stay there. And maybe the parents give them a little bit of food to help them. They maybe do the internet or play games or something. But they're just in themselves, and that's all. And it's a problem. And the people, many people in Japan are trying to, to encourage and help them. And I, there was a book written where someone was dealing with them and trying to help them become more normal citizens instead of just living in that perpetual state of depression. So those are kinds of things that people face. But when we have the, when we have the peace of God in our heart, we can have victory over those things. And that's what we're trying to help the people in Japan to recognize. And people, even our church sometimes, face depression. It's not just because they've come to church. They've been dealing with it all their lives, and then they come to church, and they're still having to deal with it some. So we try to encourage them through God's word and reading God's word and helping them to recognize that when you trust in the Lord, you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding, that you can do all things through Christ, as Philippians just down here a few verses. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ Jesus. He's the one who strengthens me. We can't do it ourselves. We have to put our trust and confidence in him. And so I hope that each one of us today trusts that we have the peace of God in our hearts. And if you don't, you can have it. Because Jesus said, whoever believes in the name of Jesus shall be saved. When we recognize our sin before a holy God, we recognize that we are nothing before God, that we can we need to turn away from our sin and have his forgiveness, we can receive that wonderful peace of God that passes all understanding. Those of us who may know the Lord, when we feel discouraged and depressed, we can pray and trust the Lord to help us and to encourage us and to know that he will encourage us and give us his peace. And where does that peace come from? It says, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the key. That's why we worship Christ. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, my life and my goal and purpose in life is Jesus Christ. And I trust that that's true for each one of us today. And pray also with us as we go back to Japan and work with the people there that they will understand and know the peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm going to pray right now, and then I'm going to ask Becky, my wife, to come up. We're just going to sing a little chorus about the peace of God. And we'll sing it in English and Japanese as well, so you can hear what it sounds like. But let's pray right now. Our Father in heaven, we pray that each one of us here today will have the peace of God. That's something we can have right now. We don't have to wait till we become more spiritually minded, or we don't have to wait till we die and go to heaven and and live forever in peace, Lord, we can have the peace of God right now in our hearts to comfort us, encourage us, to settle us, to keep us from worrying about the difficulties and the stresses of life. Lord, I pray also that the people in Japan will understand the peace of God, that they would recognize that when they know God and trust in his salvation, that they can have that wonderful peace in their lives so they don't have to live in depression they don't have to live in, in hiding from society. They don't have to uh, face life with no help or encouragement because they can have the body of Christ to encourage them. They can have 
the Lord Jesus Christ with them each day, who dwells within them. Lord, help us as we return to Japan to be able to clearly portray and proclaim your word, that people would receive it, and they'd understand it, and live it each day. And also the people here, right, in San Francisco, to be a witness and testimony and to, in, in, to uh, have the peace of God in their lives as well, and to share the wonderful news of eternal life to others around them, that they might also know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this church and its ministry and the encouragement that it has been to us also. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.